Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the A-List Podcast with Sherrod Blakely and my co-host, Kwani A. Lunas. Kwani looking mighty comfortable in the usual confines. I cannot say the same. This is the edition of the A-List Podcast. Usually, Kwani, you're in the car doing the damn thing. I'm usually got my nice comfortable, but now we've got a little role reversal going on on this week. So where are you? Explain to the people. They need. I to am in Los Angeles, California, oh, wow. uh, helping my son get situated. He's uh, he's he's going to be moving out here permanently in L.A. And there's so much crap Big as you money. can probably imagine going from Boston to L.A. Yeah. Uh, and so it took a it took a village to get him to the point where he could be have a job like this. And it's taking a damn village to get him situated. Apparently, that'd be so, like that sometimes. <laughs> it, it is like that sometimes. And so you know, but listen. No matter what he has going on, it will not stop, can't stop, won't stop the A-List podcast from us doing what we do. Now, I wasn't the only one that was out and about today. I mean, you were out of Gillette, if I, if I remember correctly, right? Yes. So the Patriots and Giants had their first of two joint practices. So I went there for what they're calling the NBC Social Media Day because it was NBC Sports Boston, NBC 10 Boston, NECN and Telemundo and me, Casey, Tom Curran, Phil Perry, we all went out there and just captured all the social digital content that your heart could desire. So if you're a Pats fan as well, you can, I don't know if that's a conflict of interest, but just head over there and watch all the videos and photos that we posted. It was fun, but it was really hot today. So yeah, I'm a little exhausted. <laughs> well, I know, I know our CL and NS media crew, they were out there as well and, and doing yes. their thing. So definitely, you know, they, they'll, they'll have some videos too. Uh, and so obviously there's a lot of content because it's, it's that time of year. But listen, the Celtics season may be not quite as robust as the Patriots are right now, but there's still stuff going on. I mean, you look at Josh Richardson, a guy that a lot of people weren't really sure, you know, whether this was a guy that the Celtics would even keep around uh, beyond maybe this season. And they signed him to an extension, giving him an extra year, two years, $24 million. Now, I've got some ideas about why they did this. But what, what what's your take on, on just Josh Richardson getting that extra $12 million? I mean, clearly that, that shows that Brad Stevens sees some value in him. Something in his game is worthy enough for them to sign him and bring him on this roster. But I am curious as to what your perspective is because a lot of people were shocked about that move because it definitely was one that could have flown under the radar if the Patriots news that were, you know, had blown up because I remember looking at my Twitter feed and saying, wait, what? So I want to hear what your thoughts were. And why do you think actually Brad decided well, I to? Think that, I think there's a couple of reasons. I think, first of all, he is a good player. And, and Brad yeah. Stevens understands and Ime Yudoka understands that if you're going to have a chance to win in this league, you're going to have guys, you need to have guys who can compete and have a, a very solid skill set. But to me, What's more important or for the Celtics is that this gives them some, the kind of flexibility that flies below the radar. Because right now, if let's say J- Josh comes here, things aren't really looking all that great. If you trade him, you will have a difficult time getting anything of value because he'll be in a lash of his deal. But giving him that extra year, he's a much more attractive potential trade chip if you decide to move on from him. And, and for Josh, you know, with a lot of uncertainty about how things are going to play out in Boston, having that extra year of security, knowing that at the end of the season, you still got a, 
you still got a seven figure, eight figure check coming your way. So if you're Josh Richardson, it makes a lot of sense. If you're the Celtics, it shows that you're committed to him beyond just this calendar year, but beyond that. And if things don't work out, he's still someone that has value in the eyes of other teams because 12, because remember, the salary cap is going to steadily go up. And if you got a player that's making $12 million now, a year or two from now, that probably looks more like $10 million in mm-hmm. 2020, 2021 terms. So there's a lot of reasons why I think this makes a lot of sense. And shout out to Brad Stevens for playing chess while Ooh. everyone is looking at him wondering, when is the checker game going to begin? <laughs> this was a very, very low-key, stealth, intelligent move by Brad Stevens to make that type of deal with a guy like Josh Richardson. Because again, I, I think the Celtics right now, what they're doing is they're, to me, they are having the best of all worlds. They're putting together a team where guys are going to come in with a chip on their shoulder. Guys are going to come in and compete, but they're giving themselves the ability to move on from those guys and include them in deals. If let's say, I don't know, Bradley Bill says he wants to come to Boston. You now have enough chips in play where you could put something together from a financial standpoint that doesn't involve Tatum, doesn't involve Brown, doesn't involve Marcus Smart, and actually have something that might might generate some interest. So, again, shout out to Brad Stevens for, for stepping his game up. Brad Stevens, and we'll talk a little bit more about Brad Stevens, the coach, versus Brad Stevens, the GM, but I do like the Josh Richardson uh, signing. And the other one, that they got out there mm-hmm. time lord <laughs> time lord four years 48 million dollars coin is he worth it or not going back to trader brad as we call him well you know how they call trader danny so i guess well, he's trying to, well he hasn't well yet yeah, his, his first move was a trade so yeah. we, he can absolutely adopt that moniker trader okay brad, we can do that perfect just I guess overall front office Brad Stevens is definitely a visionary. When we look at the the sparks of greatness that we've seen from Rob Williams on this Celtics team over the past few seasons that we've seen him on the court, he obviously has potential. A lot of times I know that it's hard for a front office to look at potential as something that's worth value. But being that Brad coached him as well, I think that's another part of him being in that role that brings so much value. The fact that he's seen these players in practice, he sees them on a regular basis. We get to see them, you know, you'll go to practice and see them in sparks as well. But for him to see players on a regular basis as a coach and now be in that front office, him being able to put money on Rob Williams says a lot because from what he's seen, despite injuries, he still thinks Robert Williams is worth playing on this team as well. And I'm at this point, the moves that Brad has made are clearly ones that he is setting up not only for this team now, but for the future. And if he think Rob thinks Rob Williams should be here for four years, then, or, you know, at least valued at that high of a number, then that clearly is something I think Celtics fans should be willing to take to the bank at this point. I was shocked that they did this deal. And I would <laughs> tell you why um, not because Rob's not worth it, yeah. But because I, I felt Rob was going to play a little bit more hardball and think that he's worth more. Because this is a uh, guy that shoots 72% when he's healthy from the field. I mean, that's But that's crazy. a key word, when he's healthy. So, what? yes, he may be shooting at a high level, but he hasn't shown enough consistency for another team to be willing to pick him up at that. At least a bigger market like Boston to pick him up. He could go to Sacramento. He could go to Orlando. 
But for Boston to keep him at that level, I think that's why he shouldn't be that picky in that way. Why is Kwani throwing low shade at Sacramento and Orlando? Those they are just have to pick smaller markets, okay? No shade. They're, they're, they're not. I'm not going to say no shade. It's clearly well, shade. Sacramento is, Sacramento is trash. All right. Okay. I'm, so I'm, let's just, I'll just. Orlando's <laughs> not bad. But here's the thing about Rob yes, Williams that, that surprised better. me. I was surprised that Rob did four years. Yes. Because here's the thing about Rob Williams the third, When he is engaged and healthy even in 25 to 30 minutes yeah. he's a major impact player and Absolutely. when you look around the nba i was under i was hearing that rob was looking for something in the clint capella money range so you're talking like 17 18 19 million a year and for brad to get a guy who when you look at his skill set is very similar to a guy that's probably five six million more per year to get him at that rate yeah that's a great deal and for rob I'm going to tell you right now, and I'm, I'm if Rob plays the way I think he will and the way Celtics think he will over time, yeah. he's going to be considered one of if not the biggest steal in all of the signings during this offseason. Because if he develops into a borderline all-star, not an all-star, but a borderline all-star, and to me that's a guy that gets you 14, 15 points a game, eight, nine rebounds, couple block shots, that's a borderline all-star center in the NBA. Yeah. He has the potential to be that good. And if you're getting a guy that good at 12 million a year, a number that is going to seem less and less as time goes by, because remember, it's a four-year deal that's going to average, you know, 12 million a year. And plus, he he has the potential to earn an additional six million over the course of the contract if he meets certain uh, Mm -hmm. metrics. And one of them being, I think, he has to play like 69 games or average 69 Mm -hmm. games, something like that, to get get that little extra cheddar. Then. It'd be again. I, I just, I'm su- I'm surprised they got the deal done because I didn't think the Celtics could get him at this price. This, to me, feels very much like a Danny Ainge deal, uh, mm-hmm. because Danny is the king of. Look, this, this is what your value is. <laughs> this is what I'm going to pay you, and I'm not really and and somewhere between what you want and what I'm willing to pay. I'm going to get you over to my side of the equation, and you're going to get what I offer you, and so. I, I was a little surprised that they were able to get him at that rate. I was, I figured Rob would get at least 15 million a year. Cause to be honest with his upside and potential, even with his injury riddle history, I still thought that was a guy that you're probably looking to get the deal done around 15 million, but for him to take 12 million a year guaranteed and another 6 million, he can get in incentives. It, it speaks to their ability to get deals done. And I mean, if we're being honest and real, you know, Rob is thinking probably like a lot of us, Yo, that's a lot of money. I know it's not 18 million and it may not be 15 million, but 12 million is not something to sneeze about. That's real. That's real money. That's yeah. money that if you don't play a single minute, you got 48 million in the bank. 48 million in the bank. And and Rob is he's no different than a lot of folks, you know, who are in the NBA, a lot of us who cover the NBA, you will take 48 million guarantee every day on Sunday. Yeah. There's very few of us who either are in the NBA's <laughs> players or in the media who would not take a guaranteed 48 mil package. Right. So I can't be I, I can't be mad at Rob for taking exactly. that. You gotta secure it. He has a daughter, right? And you know, he has family to provide for. Right. And sometimes I, I not sometimes yeah, when you're putting your physical body on the line, it sometimes it's just better to take that guarantee. 
I shout out to him for knowing his worth and definitely shopping to try to get it. But the fact that he was able to secure a guaranteed deal clearly shows that he has good people in his corner, at least agents or whatever that may be saying, hey, you just got to take the money for now. And then when you prove yourself, then hopefully you can cash out again. Yeah, because, I mean, you look around the NBA and some other guys who had deals that they felt, <laughs> I'm not worthy. I'm, that is yeah. deal beneath me. I mean, Nolan's Noel, our, our, our boy from the I mean, he's he's ready to sue his agent because he walked away from, like, a four-year, $70 million deal. I saw that. Which, yep. which, full disclosure, those of us who also looked in were thinking, wait a minute, you got a $70 million deal on the table? Yeah. Like, now I'm good? Yeah. Nah, bro. Not good. Not good at all. Him, Dennis Schroeder, uh, yep. another one who had a, a great well, deal. Thankfully, he was able to recuperate from that. Right. And and now, and I, I'm, I'm still, you know, I'm curious how Dennis is going to address those questions because they, they're going to come. They have to come. They will come. We will be asking him about oh, that. This is going to be the first, first question you ask. Exactly. I'm just like, dude. So, what were you thinking? I, I, <laughs> I, your mind I mean, there's a way that we can massage those questions to make mm -hmm. them a little more palatable. But the end, but the bottom line is, dude, you walked away from 85 mil and you got like basically, penny, you literally are getting paid pennies on a dollar. Mm -hmm. And you and you living in in a, in a tax bracket that's you know not exactly easy on a wallet. Yeah. So, uh, but hey, his loss, Celtics game, it's all good. It's all good. And you know what else is good? This team. Oh, <laughs> you got us. I think they're pretty damn good. Um, I think this team, if health isn't an issue because health it, it, that's just you know the x factor that always has to be thought yeah. about but if it's not a major issue i could see them possibly slipping in, in that top four like no higher than four because I, I i like the fact that they got some dogs on this team they got some absolute just i mean schroeder is a dog marcus smart is a dog josh richardson is a dog Al Horford, he's not a dog, but he's like the he's like the big dog though. The yeah. big dog was big, that's making sure everyone in the kennel is is taken care of, is good. And if yeah. some of y'all get out of line, big dog might have to speak on that. <laughs> big dog might come at you. So I, I I like the way this team is is shaping up. I think they are going to be competitive. Uh, but the X factor to me is is health and and Yudoka. I don't really know how good a coach is going to be. I think it's going to be good, but I don't have anything to go on but a hunch. Right. I'm with you on that, and it could be because I've lived in Boston so long and have seen so many iterations of this team. Mm -hmm. And there have been also so many teams where we said, oh, this team has potential. So I don't want to sound like a broken record every season saying, wow, this team has potential. But I will say from those moves that Brad Stevens has made and even <laughs> Coach Udoka having that potential as well to be a great coach seeing the, the franchises he's worked with, the coaches that he's worked with. I think it's a good combination for success. But as you mentioned, it's something that we're going to have to wait to see out. But I'm liking this coaching matchup with the roster that we're seeing, even Brad being in the front office. The organization is definitely looking intact. But now it's time for everybody, other than Brad, because he's clearly been doing his job, everyone else needs to execute to make it actually come to fruition. Yeah, I, I'm just, I mean, the thing that Brad's doing that I, I think is really impressive is that he is, he's doing his, doing the damn thing Brad's way. And 
it's not clear what he's doing at the moment, but it, it feels it's different than when D- Danny would do things and it would take like forever to yeah. figure out what the hell he was trying to do. Yeah, it, it's like one of those things you have to see in hindsight, you understand. Yeah. Yeah, but like, but like Brad is like kind of keeping us off balance with some of his moves, but it doesn't take a ton of time to realize, oh, okay, wait a minute. So you're going to give Josh Richardson an extra year so that Josh thinks that, you know, we're investing in you, but at the same time, we may be doing that, but if we want to cut ties with you, you're more attractive to cut ties with now. So you get more money. We get a potential better trade chip in return if we move you and everybody's winning. So. Brad, there's, there's a, I think there's a clearer train of thought to what Brad is doing down the road than there was with Danny, and and that just kind of brings me to, to you know, the, the question I, I posed this a little bit earlier. I mean, who do you like more, Brad Stevens the GM or Brad Stevens the coach? As you were talking before you asked me that question, the first thing I thought about was how did Brad Stevens make such a seamless transition into that front office. Was it the mentorship of Danny Ainge? Was it just him soaking up basketball for so long and seeing the ins and outs of different organizations? Because I really do like him as a general manager because he's been making moves that we, like you said, we see him working towards the future, but also working for the immediate future, long-term and short-term goals, essentially. And he does it in a way where you're like, it's like banger, like when an artist puts like hit after hit, that's what he's doing right now. I don't know how long he will keep up the momentum, but as of now, it's looking really promising. And if I was a Celtics fan, that I'd look at what he's doing for the organization and I would definitely want to see him in that role for long term because, again, having that coaching mindset and knowing the players that he's worked with, the players that he's played against, he's watched so many hours of film throughout the NBA that he knows what's out there and he's seems to be really good enough with numbers too to always be thinking about cap space and really making it all work together. So he's the perfect person for this role. Again, it's something that I think when we look back on this organization years from now, obviously that's when the time will truly tell. But I think as of right now, I'm giving him a grade A because I just think that the moves he's doing for this team are very intentional and Yes, sometimes you have to make hard decisions for a team, but everyone that I think that knows him also seems to understand that the way he's making a business move is definitely different from the way that Danny Ainge has been perceived when he makes moves or has made moves for the Celtics. Right. Well, well first of all, shout out to my man, Mike Zarin, who is just yeah. low-key. Okay. You know, yes. the, the, always the, in the, the background. Man, the assistant GM, legal counsel guy with the Celtics. Mm-hmm. I mean, he does an amazing job just making all the numbers dance together, do the damn thing together. And he's, he's one of my favorite people in the organization because I, again, he's just one of them low key, get the job done. I don't need the fanfare. Don't, don't, don't don't quote me. Don't do it. Just, I'm just getting the job done. And I have much respect to him for that. But here's the thing I would give, I would give Brad an A minus. And here's why he's made good deals, but not great ones. He's made smart deals, but not like Einstein genius. Damn. All of a sudden, the Celtics are now a title contender move. That's he fair. hasn't done those type of moves yet. Yeah. But what I do like about him as a GM is that he seems to have benefited from his time as a coach. I remember there's so many times 
when, you know, you hear about Doc Rivers having coach slash GM responsibilities with the Clippers. You see Thibodeau having coach slash GM responsibilities. And we'd ask Brad about that. And he'd be like, no, I'm good. I'm good in my role right now. I'm a coach. Danny does the GM stuff. We're all good. And now when he had the opportunity to double dip, because the Celtics, they they would not have pushed back if Brad said, let me GM and coach. I'll do both. They yeah. would not have pushed back on that. But Brad was smart enough to, to get out of that position mm-hmm. of coaching in Step time mm-hmm. to pivot into a position where he would be more prepared for that position than the challenges that would have faced him if he came back as a head coach. Because if he came back as a head coach and they didn't do anything with he would have been cut. He He knows that, yes. Yeah, I mean, you know, you you would have seen steam coming from behind Brad's backside. You wonder what's 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 up with Brad? Oh, that's called the hot seat, baby. Brad ain't never been on that before. We've never seen him on that before. So shout out to Brad Stevens for being smart enough to pivot into a new role that would give him new responsibilities and frankly an opportunity to write a new narrative on who he is. Mm-hmm. I think back to those early years when Danny Ainge was trading players away. Like back in the day, we traded baseball cards when we was kid. Like, hey yeah. man, you got that? You got that Shaq? Yo, <laughs> I got that Shaq. I give you this, this, this John Stockton, and I give you this other card. Danny Ainge was flipping players left and right, and Brad yeah. was just taking out his stride. And I, there was, and Brad would always say the right thing that I'm just yeah, gonna put always that. Or given to me, that's my job as a coach. Play what I'm handed. But this, there had to be a piece of me thinking, like, damn, Danny, can I, can I, can a brother get some players for like a week that I can work with? I mean, mm-hmm. it was it was to the point where I mean, it was like he probably didn't know the roster one day. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> who's I on my team today? Yeah, exactly. Like Brad, uh, about uh, you know, player X. Like, oh, is, is that done? I, I knew we were talking about. He it. was here yesterday. Yeah, so I, I think that experience has helped him as a GM because mm-hmm. he is making some very deliberate moves that are going to give Ime Yudoka a chance to have solid, established, proven guys who ain't looking over their shoulder for the, for in a contract year. Resigning Marcus Smart, he ain't looking over his shoulder this year. Mm-hmm. Re, giving Josh Richardson another year, he's good. Tatum is straight. Brown is straight. You start looking at the Rob Williams now got his money. So yeah. now you got guys who are just simply going to go out and play hard. They ain't worried about the money. They're not worried about the contract. They're worried about playing time. Yeah. And that, that is what I think is really the narrative that Brad Stevens has created this year. He's created a team of competitors, guys that have nothing to focus on but getting your ass ready to play ball and help this team win games. You don't have to worry about your money because your money is there. You got your money. You straight. That is not going to be something you need to think about. It's something that we're not going to be talking about because everyone is good. So it's all about what happens between those lines. And that's the one thing I think Brad understands all too well is if you can keep the focus on basketball and, and none of this, this contractual BS that he had to deal with when you had Kyrie. He had to deal with that with Terry. Put him in a bad spot because he wants his guys to be focused on basketball. But he knows we would not be doing our jobs if we if we didn't ask, well, damn, you know, Terry Rozier is, is ready to get paid, and y'all couldn't work out an extension. And you, he's kind of playing behind Kyrie, but he's kind of balling out too. So what you going to do? Right. And with, with Jalen Brown, which I thought, I thought that may have been um, – one of the best moves, Danny. I would I would put re-signing Jalen Brown right behind 
putting together the big three as far as the, the really significant moves that Danny made in his time as a GM because Jalen Brown, he paid him all-star money before he was an all-star. Yeah. Uh, and, and a lot of people were looking at him side like, wait a minute. Yeah. Jalen Brown? Not, I mean, forget the fact that he was a number three pick. People act as if that didn't I mean, happen. We surprised people booed him. He's never gonna forget it. We shouldn't. Oh, he's never. I, I I love bringing that up to him. I remember that day like it was yesterday. I remember that day too. And, the week. and whenever you bring it up, to, whenever I brought it up to him, before I could even finish the sentence that I bring it up in, he he's like, "Oh, I know, I remember." Right. And I'm like, "See, that's what I'm talking about. You need guys that don't the chip on their the petty stuff." <laughs> You need a little pettiness in your game. That's and the end game, got, though. They got a lot of guys who got some petty in their game. Absolutely. Schroeder, petty. Yes. Marcus, Marcus Smart. Petty. Marcus. Jalen is low-key petty, and I love that about him. He, he's yeah. he, he's figured out how to be, like, low-key petty, but not, like, annoying, irritating, yeah. obnoxious petty. Even Tatum can be petty when he wants – not often, but every once in a while he'll say something or give a little smirk where you're like, oh, I caught that. Well, you know, I, I like, like, you know, they recently came out with the 2K ratings, and yeah, um, exactly, and Tatum made it very clear that he's not happy with his rating. And he's like, you know, I did drop 50 points games, and I, I did average 27 points, I did do he's just like, and that's all right, okay, I get it, I get it. I love to see guys own their ish, own that, be petty, be petty, don't and let the world know, yeah, let the world know. So, speaking Maybe of Jason, Tatum, yeah. Speaking of Jason Tatum, Mr. Olympic gold medal winning mm-hmm. Jason Tatum. Yes. Uh, the good folks at TMZ had a chance to, to catch up slash ambush slash however you want to describe what they do. Right. Whatever they do, what they do. I always find those interviews funny because you, if you could, if, if there was like a little bubble on top like of the, the top people who they're talking to, it would go something like, damn, I was this close before they saw me. Right. Because Tatum was literally... Yeah, Tatum was literally having his car brought around, getting money from the valet mm-hmm. when they when they ambushed him. And Tatum, you know, he, he did the right thing. He said all the right things, which, which Tatum typically does. But the one nugget that he said that I thought was really interesting, uh, he was asked about the Olympic gold medal. Mm-hmm. And Tatum talked about how great of accomplishment that is. But winning a championship, that's the goal. That's the, And, and mm-hmm. when I think about Jason Tatum, he talks a lot about that, uh, a lot about winning a championship. And I know Tatum has, you know, he's he's had moments where he's looked a bit selfish out there. Yeah. And he's had moments where he hasn't been selfish enough. Uh, I still think he's, he, I mean, he's 23 years old. He's still figuring a lot of this stuff out. But I love to hear him talk about winning a championship because, again, it's only today is it's only been a couple of days since Kobe Bryant would have been 43 years old. That would have been on, on Monday. And those are the things that Kobe said all the time. Mm-hmm. He talked about winning. Uh, he Kobe could go out there and get you 30 points every night. But he knew yeah. that in order for him to have the kind of legacy that the greats have, you got to win a championship. And Tatum seems to be driven that same way. Now, one thing that is different, you don't necessarily feel it as much with Tatum as you felt it with Kobe. Mm-hmm. But I have to remind people that Kobe was like this 18, 19-year-old punk from PA when he yeah. came into the league that people yeah, were just yeah. like, he's all about buckets. He don't care about winning. Yeah. And slowly but surely, he kind of created that narrative. And I see Tatum slowly but surely creating his own narrative, but very mm-hmm. simple to that. Yeah, because Tatum came into the league a little more soft-spoken. He knew he was good, but he wasn't like Kobe 
the way that he was talking publicly, you know, talking trash publicly. Tatum has the call from the day he exactly. got the ring. Literally, right. They so I the think with Brandy, okay? Yeah, yeah. exactly. When, when you go Brandy to the with Brandy, R and B game. <laughs> No that? one can tell you anything when you went to a problem with Brandy. But right. yeah, their personalities are definitely very different, which is why I think that we are slowly seeing Tatum break out of that shell. The NBA is a new thing for him. Like he had to really adapt to the way the media is gonna treat you, the way the game has speed up, sped up, whatever that is. So there's different things that he's adapted to, but I think overall we are seeing glimpse of that Kobe, that Mamba mentality of whatever, all the time he's spent with Kobe, I think will eventually be something that we start to see more of because he clearly respected, loved, valued everything that Kobe stood for, and we're starting to see it. Yeah, and and, and for me, it, it's it's hitting home just because I'm like I said earlier, I'm in LA right now, mm-hmm. and I was here, you know, when when you know when Kobe would have been 43 on on Monday, and I mean, there's always a lot of Kobe, everything around. But on Monday, it you could tell it was different. I mean, it, it felt, I mean, there was a clear and undeniable just across the board mourning, I guess the best way to describe it. And people trying to doing their own way to show respect for him, whether it was like a freshly painted mural or some cinder blocks mm-hmm. in the hood, uh, mm-hmm. folks rocking the Kobe jerseys, different all the different Kobe Kobe's. jerseys out there. Uh I I was driving and I, I came across somebody who had a license plate that said Kobe RIP. And I, I, I'd never seen that plate before. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of other iterations of Kobe yeah. folks paying homage to Kobe and, and what he's meant. But um, it's, it's, I always find it interesting how Tatum has been able to balance that, that, that love of Kobe with playing for the team that Kobe loved to hate right. uh, and how, you know, fans, it took fans, I think, a, a little time to kind of cal- recalibrate themselves to the fact that Tatum can still have immense loyalty and love for the Celtics and still have immense loyalty and love for Kobe Bryant. Because as, as much as, as Celtics fans don't want to hear it, the success that Tatum has had so far is in part because of how he's trying to model his game after Absolutely. Kobe Bryant in many, many ways, shapes, and forms on the basketball court. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. So, what else you got, Kwan and Lupe? What else is there to talk about in the world of the basketballs? <laughs> well, I tell you what. Who are you looking out for this season? Who's someone that people should keep on their radar? There's there's a lot of folks out there. I tell you who I'm really interested to see. And it's only because I like him. He's like one of my favorite guys in the league. And that's Terry Rozier. Oh, yeah. Terry, oh, yeah. He just got another deal, too. Terry just got that second fat payday. Shout out to Terry Rozier for getting that Brinks truck <laughs> 2.0. Getting the Brinks truck 2.0. But uh, Terry, I, I think Terry, he's like right there on the cusp of being an all-star. Average damn near 20 points last year, shot almost 40% from three-point range. You look at some of the moves that Charlotte is making, they're going to be a team that if they can stay healthy, I think they're going to be really good. And Terry, I think this is going to be the first year where we're going to start talking about him as a potential all-star. And obviously, you know, you know, the ball kid is going to get a lot of the attention and, and a lot of the fanfare, but his best quality the ball kid. is distributing the ball. Terry Rozier hasn't really played with a great ball distributor in his career. Uh, so I think he's going to benefit greatly 
from from having you know ball coming to the season clear vision understanding what he needs to do knowing who his teammates are what they can do what they can do and for terry rogier you know i got another payday uh and the thing i love about terry is that before he got paid he was pretty good once he got that first check he's seen the he step his game up. yes exactly. better. and i respect the hell out of guys who understand that the only way that i'm going to keep getting these paychecks is to keep balling out keep getting better bring something new to my game that's why you know jalen brown uh from a Celtic standpoint that's the guy i'm looking forward to seeing because jalen brown every year he's been in the league has gotten better and i'm looking at his game now and the only thing i can think of that he can get appreciably better in that's different than what we've seen thus far is getting other guys involved and Ime Yudoka talked a lot about that in summer league he's talked a lot about that whenever he has addressed the media and Jalen Brown's and, and Jason Tatum's name comes comes up he talks about their ability to be more facilitators more playmakers and I'm curious to see how Jalen is, is going to handle that role um we caught a little bit of him getting some shots up over in Vegas in summer league uh, so I'm, I'm hopeful and optimistic that he can be ready to roll come the start of the season. Yeah, his pass was off, right? His um, yeah. wristband. Okay. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him really uh, just take his game to another level because, again, I he's, he's such a great story. Uh, just the way he hide. I mean, I can't think of the last time a guy was taken that high in a draft who got booed. Yeah. I can't think of a, I mean, that's unheard of. And for him – to you know low-key keep that and keep that absolutely keep that same energy and use it as fuel put that chip on your shoulder and just slap it there and know that it ain't going nowhere because i'm telling you tatum or excuse me jalen can be a six seven eight nine ten fifteen time all-star he's always going to have that chip and whenever i say you know you remember when you were drafted and the folks i know i know i remember he's never going to forget that Absolutely. I, that His story resonates with me. But I, to this day, I wonder why people booed him. It, was it really just the lack of not doing your research on college football? Like, There's a couple reasons why. A couple reasons. Like, one, he didn't have an off-the-chart statistically great season at Cal. They were a team that had really good players, but they weren't as successful as a lot of people thought they would be. That's yeah. one reason number one. Number two, that was a year, remember, Chris Dunn was killing it. Of a province, yeah, right? Well, he's a local kid, and everybody wanted him. And, and I remember, yep. Right, and they could have theoretically used a, a playmaker like Chris Dunn in theory. Um, and you know, Celtics fans, you need to thank your lucky stars that then again, that was yet another example of Danny. a deal that Danny Ainge did not do. Yeah, that was the best thing he could have done. Uh, Chris Dunn, uh, I like him as a person, good dude. Yeah, but I, I just Jalen is a better player. I don't think it's it's not even debatable. Jalen mm-hmm. has been a better player, uh, is a better player. When their careers are done and over with, Jalen will go down as the better player. And yeah. that's what you want. I mean, you want to use whatever position you are in the draft to draft the best player available that can help your team. When you look at the success that Jalen has had individually, you look at the success that this team has had since he's been around, conference finals, you know, three of the last five years, Jalen Brown has made his mark on this franchise. He's paid like a guy who's made his mark on this franchise. And again, that's the guy that I'm really looking forward to seeing among the Celtics players, what he's going to be able to do this year. What about you, Quanny? Who are you looking for? These are my answers. So I have to pick somebody else. Jalen was your guy? Yeah. 
Okay, but, go to door number two. You gotta have a door number two, Courtney. Come of on. Of course, now. of course. Uh, I don't. Who's on the roster? I'm kidding. Wow. <laughs> um, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> this is actually a good question. You should have prepped me for this one. Honestly, I, I, it, it could be a cop out, but I'm just gonna go with Tatum because okay. it's a cop already, out. But it's all right. It is a cop out. <laughs> but I think similar to your argument with. Jalen minus the chip on his shoulder because it's not like Jason has been told he won't be great at this point. I definitely do think and agree with Ime Udoka and when he says that he wants to see Tatum and Jalen be more facilitators and really just I think Tatum really see him step up with that leadership on the floor for the Celtics. Obviously, he's a good shooter, but I definitely think that he and he knows this he can evolve his game to a level where. If he doesn't have a good shooting night, he's still able to, you know, lob the ball to whoever is having that hot night and really take control of the game for the entire team. And I know that's a lot of pressure to put on one person, but you a max player. And exactly, that's my point. If you're the max player, then that's not necessarily a pressure you should be avoiding anyway. And I don't think it's something that's impossible. So I would really love to see how he steps up in a role like that where. He's not only the go-to guy, but he also knows how to kind of hand the baton to whoever should be the go-to guy on any yeah, given. I mean, yeah, the more the more he plays, the, it, it seems that he's having more and more moments where he's bringing an all-around impactful game. Like, he can yeah. score right. with the best of them. But we're seeing more games where he's getting maybe four or five assists here, you know, seven, eight rebounds. There. He's always been a good rebounder. Mm-hmm. Um, defensively, I thought he regressed a little bit last year. Um, I, I thought his first couple of years in the league, I thought Tatum was really trending towards being like an elite two-way talent. And I think yeah. he still, to, in some yeah. respects, can still do <laughs> that. Still early. It's still early. But I thought that there was way more attention that he paid to really enhancing his game offensively. And part of that had to do with, frankly, they needed that. Uh, with yeah. Kimba's health being what it was, you know, and, and Jalen Brown hadn't quite established himself as that that other scoring option. You know, and and other guys being hurt, injured, all whatever. Uh, there was, I thought, a, a heavy burden put on him to be a big time scorer. But when you look at this roster now, I mean, you got lots of guys who can go out there and get you twenty points now. I mean, right. clearly, Jalen can do that. You know, Josh Richardson. I don't think Josh Richardson is a twenty point scorer, but I think he can high, be a high team scorer. I think Schroeder can be high teens, low twenties. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you start looking at guys off the bench. They've got some decent talent. They've got some decent talent, but again, is it a championship caliber squad? No. I, I, let's not get it twisted. They're going to be competitive. They're going to win some games, but this is not a team that is built to win a championship right now. Um, but I do think that there's some building blocks here that you can certainly envision positioning them in two, three, maybe four years of being that team. Um, but again, I'm, I'm I'm feeling good about this team, much better than I was earlier year because you know when when the when the draft came and went and they took, you know, young fella from France in the second round, it was like, damn. <laughs> Free agency starts and then That's everyone's right. doing things and they're doing enough and then we're like, damn. damn. And then it's like slowly but surely Brad's vision of how he sees this team and the role that guys are going to have started to come into shape. And it's like, it's starting to make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but the key with this team is they just got to be gutty. They got to be grimy. They just got to be real just dogs out there. Uh, and and again, I'm the, the guy, the other guy I'm really curious to see, not so much 
his play, but how his play influences those around him, and that's Marcus Smart. Um, yeah, obviously. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. The thing about Marcus is that I love so much about Marcus Smart's game. I really do. I didn't feel as though his teammates felt him the way they should have last year. I didn't feel that they were following his example the way I thought they should have because a lot of those guys, if we're being honest and real, it seemed like they were playing with their own agendas. Like Tatum Absolutely. wanted to be an elite scorer, and that was part of his agenda, and he did that. Mm-hmm. Jalen Brown wanted to prove that he was worth that contract and could do lots of different things, mm-hmm. and he did that. But in their efforts to prove who they were and what they were about, I didn't think that they brought it defensively the way they needed to, the way Marcus Smart tends to kind of make those around him do that. And so I'm real interested to see whether Marcus is going to have some more dogs with him in the, in the, in the, in the fight this year. Because yeah. I didn't think he had enough of those last year. And, and again, you, you bring back a guy like Al Horford, who I think is, is the ally that Marcus absolutely needs. He gives level-headedness to the team. Yeah, I mean that. That I mean Al. I mean that Al falls into the, the you know the 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 uber upper echelon OG. Yeah, that's a, when your OG yeah. speaks, you listen. You listen. <laughs> and, and I didn't think they had enough OGs who could speak and and make their yeah. presence felt not only in their voice but in and in their actions. Uh, so I, I like this team much more now than I than I did at the start of the season. But again, I like this team not because I think they're going to win a ton of games because I don't think they're going to win a ton of games. I, if they can get 50 wins, I'd be shocked. I think they're going to be somewhere closer to 44, 45, maybe 46. But what I do like is that this team's going to compete. They're going to fight. They're going to yeah. scrap. And I can be down with a team like that. If you look, if you play in Brooklyn and they got their three-headed monster and you play them and the game comes down to the last 90 seconds, you catch that L by three. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good with that because you are playing a team that should be mopping the floor with you, but because you fight, because you got dogs in the, in the struggle, right? They're willing to fight for the end. Give yourself a chance to win, and yeah. that to me is what this team should be about. It's not necessarily about wins and losses, but how well do you compete? Because you can't yeah. win if you don't compete. How well do you lose? <laughs> exactly, and yeah. and do you take the losses as well? You know, they oh, well. beat us by thirty. They were a better team. They beat us by thirty. That's what they're supposed to do. Nah, that's not how it's supposed to work. You're supposed to compete. And if you lose a game to Brooklyn, I love like when Marcus Smart loses a close game, he's not all that. Yeah. He doesn't want to talk to anybody. It was a good effort, buddy. Hell no. We lost the game and we should have won. Marcus Marcus is known for saying on more than one occasion, we should have won that game. And you know what? More times than not, he's He's right. right. Yeah. He's right. You. Like I said, I'm excited about this season. I'm ready to get going. I'm ready to get that opener against that New York Knicks and Kemba Walker yeah. and Evan Fournier. Let's get it. Let's go. I'm willing to say that's going to be a W for them, but, you know. That's going to be a fun game. I'll put a dollar on it. <laughs> I'm going to be there. I, I will be in the building. We'll be in the building for that one. I'm looking forward to that one. And I'm also looking forward to Corny, whatever you got coming, because I know you always got something coming down the pipeline. What's the latest thing you got? <laughs> I'm kidding. So on Thursday of this week, depending on what time you listen to this, I will be on the Hub today, which reminds me I have to email my producers and figure out what exactly I'm doing. So I don't know what I'm doing yet. You tune in at 11:30 on Thursday if you happen to hear this before then. If not. I'll probably post it on Twitter, Instagram, so you can watch the replay. But yes, I've been continuing the <laughs> mayoral candidates 
series for the as we approach the primaries in Boston. So if you haven't checked that out already, definitely do so, especially if you live in Boston and you're not sure exactly who you should be voting for. You can find all the policies on their websites, but I'm giving you a different kind of perspective on who they are as actual people. And that's been the bulk of what I've been doing. NBC keeps me busy. <laughs> good. This is a good thing. And, and, and to Bonnie's point, you know, uh, an informed voter is the best voter. Uh, so I, I absolutely encourage if you are eligible mm-hmm. to vote uh, for the for the mayor, do so. Uh, and find out as much as you can as soon as you can. So again, when you when you get behind that, you know, and you casting your vote, you're casting a vote not for who had the coolest commercial, not yeah. for who gave you the sexiest flyer, but for right. who still has the qualities that you are looking for in a leader. So good stuff, good stuff, Kwani. And uh, you, as for me. Uh, still doing a uh, different stuff with Bleach Report. I'm starting to put together some long form pieces that I can't really get into now, uh, because those are developing. Um, recently, I, I actually, uh, yeah, this week I, I did a piece, uh, actually on Kobe Bryant and just some of the, the lessons that we've learned, both athletes and non athletes, from Kobe Bryant, uh, the Mamba mentality and all that good stuff. So that that's on ebony.com right now, and uh, for me. Kwani, for a lot of folks, school starting soon. Uh, so I'm starting to kind of formulate that and, and, and get my ducks in order and, 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 you know, put out syllabuses and all that fun stuff. And still that, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Way to go, VC. Way to go, VC. Shout out to Boston College School of Communications, Kwani Lunas. Um, but no, you're putting all that stuff together and uh, just getting ready for another year of really fun times at Boston University. And other than that, you know, just kind of staying busy, enjoying this last bit of summer here in, in La La Land before I get back. How's the weather back home anyway, Kwani? I heard it's not First great. Of all, it's 90 degrees, and I oh, have not done anything fun this summer. Okay, not not anything, but nothing, no vacation. <laughs> wow. That's that's because you're on that steady grind, Kwani. That's what being on the grind mm-hmm. is about. I guess. Grind, grind, grind. Grind, grind, I'm going to start a GoFundMe. If you're listening, feel free to donate to my trip <laughs> to Aruba. I just picked a random place. Yeah, Aruba, that's where it is. <laughs> you, take, you take paper? You take paper, white paper? Paper, cash? Yes, I do take oh, okay. paper, cash. But not Green like, paper, cash. No paper straw wrappers. Nope. Paper, no, okay. All right. Well, no, so I, that try. I try. Yeah. I try. Try again. Try again. And we will try again <laughs> next week. Ah. Another edition of the A-List podcast. Uh, and I should be back in Boston by then, uh, if all things work out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although this Italian ice that I had a lot about an hour ago is not really sitting well with me. So Ooh, I just might not make a my lot flight. of information that our listeners did not necessarily want. Listen, I just want, I, I'm just here for the people, get the people what they want. Let them know. Well, that's a wrap on the A-List podcast with Ashrod Blakely and Kwani A. Lunas. Thank you so much for listening. (laughs) We are out.